You're listening to media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. We are a multi-generational, Jesus-centered community of Scripture, faith, and grace located in Tallahassee, Florida, on the campus of Florida State University. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. We hope that the next few moments are a time when God speaks into your life by the power of His Holy Spirit about His Son, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who comes to bring to us an integrity that we would not have on our own. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, so shines a light in a weary world. If you know that I'm seeing Blake nod his head. If you know that quote, uh, you you maybe have seen Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the the good 1971 edition, (laughs) not the super creepy Johnny Depp version. If you've seen that movie, then then you know that that it comes from the, the end of the movie. The end of the movie, there, there's this kind of great scene that happens where Willy Wonka is sitting at this sort of um, half desk. In fact, he's in a room of all halves. Everything in the room is cut in half. And it kind of evokes out of you the idea that there's something missing because everything is cut in half. That there's something that needs to be done in order to uh, fulfill something, in order to bring something into perfection. And in, into that, uh, you, you have this moment moment where uh, he curls his hand over something and says that line. And the reason that he curls his hand over that thing and says that line is that there's something that is happening there that shouldn't happen or something that wouldn't normally happen. What's going on there is that Charlie, this little boy, has been invited with his grandpa, Grandpa Joe, into this chocolate factory where he has been promised a tour and also a lifetime supply of chocolate. And as he's been taking the tour, he's seen people get uh, sort of taken away out of the tour one by one as they've moved through the tour. And where we're at in this scene is that there, there's a moment here where, where something has gone wrong. Something has gone wrong, and there is a possibility where Charlie could lose it all. In fact, that's what Willy Wonka tells this kid, is that he has lost, that he has lost the lifetime supply of chocolate because he got something dirty that needed to be cleaned because there was something there that he did wrong. And out of that, you had this moment with the little boy's grandpa, Grandpa Joe. Grandpa Joe is kind of our voice. He's the voice of reason here. You see, one of the things that Charlie has been given is this top secret piece of candy. And this top secret piece of candy would be worth a lot to Slugworth, 
the competitor of Willy Wonka. And so what Grandpa Joe says is that, well, if you're not giving him the lifetime supply of candy, well, then we're going to take that secret and we're going to sell it to Slugworth, this guy's competitor. And in that moment, something magical happens because Charlie reaches into his pocket and he pulls out the top secret piece of candy and he puts it on the desk of Willy Wonka. And Willy Wonka then curls his hand slowly over that piece of candy and recites that line. So shines a good deed in a weary world. That line that actually comes from Shakespeare, the, the full line of it is, see how far that little candle throws its beams. So shines a good deed in a weary world. In a lot of ways, we are confronted in our scripture readings today by time and time again, this idea of a good deed shining in a weary world. We start off in the book of Ruth, taking a look at one of those things. And immediately as we jump into Ruth, we find out that there's something wrong. There's something dark. There's something amiss that shouldn't be the way that it is. We find out at the very outset of that reading that we are in the period of judges, a very dark time for the people of Israel, a period of time that the author is probably looking back at from a vantage point that is much better off under the rule of King David. But they're looking back to this period of time in which everything was sort of in trouble, where it was dark, where there were all sorts of things that were going wrong. It would be much akin to the, the opening scenes of a movie or of a play being set in the Great Depression or in the trenches of uh, World War I. This sort of idea that, okay, we're, we're looking into something dark. And not only is it dark because it's in the time of the judges, it's dark also because this family has been forced, it seems, to become refugees and become refugees into a strange place, a place that we probably don't pick up on the first reading. They're being called to be refugees in this place that is filled with Moabites in the land of Moab. And if you know Moab, you know that that's someplace that Israelites don't want to be because these are their historical enemies. These are people that they would never be around. And so for the fact that Naomi is brought into this land tells you that something must be really wrong. If Moab is right, if Moab is safe, then that tells you how dangerous and how ugly Israel is at the time. And not only do they have to go into Moab, but all of a sudden we find out that Naomi's husband and then her two sons die. And now she's left. The only Israelite here with just her daughters-in-law, two Moabite women. 
two Moabite women who, understanding their cultural heritage, would say, I've got nothing for that Israelite woman. She is our enemy, culturally. And so you see a little bit more about why it's so meaningful when Ruth agrees to stay with Naomi throughout her entire life. That Ruth makes this promise that she's going to stick with Naomi even unto the point of her death, that she is going to call Naomi's God her God, that she is going to be with Naomi in thick and thin. And as we finish up that reading and they're walking into Bethlehem together, we sort of can hear Gene Wilder's voice in the background saying how far that little candle throws her beams. So shines a good deed in a weary world. And then we fast forward. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to the moment in which Jesus is walking between Galilee and Samaria. And he's walking in between Galilee and Samaria and he comes across a colony of 10 lepers, 10 people that were required to stay at least 16 feet away from anyone if they were going to talk to them. So take the six feet that we remember and add another 10. That they were required to stay that far away from people. And so they, they see this Jesus who they've heard about and they cry out to him, Master, Master, can you make us clean? And Jesus' response to that is, go and show yourselves to the priest. It may seem like, well, sort of a strange thing to say back if you don't know what the context is. So the context here is that in order to be declared absolutely clean, you needed to have a priest take a look at your body to make sure that you had no signs of leprosy on you anymore. And so Jesus was effectively saying, it is done. Go and get your proof that it is done. Go get your ticket to re-enter into society from the priest and go into this very long and arduous process of doing a series of many sacrifices that will show that this is completely done. And one of those sacrifices, including slaughtering a bird under running water, I kid you not, look it up in Leviticus 18. That there's this kind of moment that he's inviting them to go into, this long extended moment that he's saying, go, go and do this. And so as they go, they notice their body begins to heal. They notice that the, the leprous sores on their bodies begin to go away. They, they notice that they are actively being healed as they're leaving. And it seems like all of them do this. And yet there's one of them, one of them who runs back, 
one of them who breaks that 16-foot barrier and falls at Jesus' feet in faith, knowing that he is clean, knowing that he no longer has to stay that 16 feet away from Jesus. He falls down at his feet and he gives him thanks as the only one who returns to give thanks. And once again, we hear Gene Wilder's voice. Look at how far the beams from that little candle go. So shines a good deed in a weary world. And yet, perhaps that's not the only good deed that is worthy of looking at here. In fact, there's a good deed here that is maybe more significant that we just sort of gloss over and we we maybe don't even notice all that much. The fact that even though there's this one Samaritan who comes back, this person who also is a historical enemy of Israel comes back and lays at the feet of Jesus and gives thanks to God, that there are nine other dudes who are running like crazy to the priests to go and show the priest, hey, I don't have anything on me anymore. Take a look wherever you want to. And we don't ever hear that Jesus takes it back from him. We don't hear that Jesus is, you know, that kind of a, a petty person who says, well, I, I started to clean you all, but uh, only one of you really made it all the way through the wash. <laughs> that is a good deed that shines in our weary world so much more. Because in reality, most of the time, well, we're Grandpa Joe. We're Orpa. We're the nine guys that are running to get what we need. We're the ones who can be petty. We're the ones that can be looking out for ourselves. So often we're not Charlie or Ruth or the Samaritan. But we are the meaner picture in all of this. We need the good news of a light that has come into our world with a special kind of integrity. An integrity that Paul tells Timothy about. An integrity that is manifest in the person of Jesus. An integrity that says that even when we are faithless, that he is faithful. 
that even when we are faithless and sin, even when we are petty, even when we are cruel, even when we are just watching out for ourselves, that there is an integrity in him that covers our sins with his forgiveness and makes us whole again and gives us an opportunity to rise again to try to live a new life filled with as much integrity as we can bring to it. Because he's given us that out of himself. So that we, perhaps, can go out into a world and reflect his light. Reflect that light that shines into our weary world. And when people ask about what it is that is going on inside of us, we can maybe speak in our best Gene Wilder impression and say, so shines a light in the midst of a weary world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. If you would like to financially support more media from University Lutheran, please visit our website and click the Give Now button which will enable you to engage in the Christian discipline of giving tithes and offerings to God through his church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Well,